BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Through 25 seasons... 4,561 episodes. I believe the Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The LOLs, the moments that mattered. The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. 23 years ago, I was standing here with the audience, just like I am now, and we'd come up with what we thought was an out-of-the-box idea to have on a panel of white supremacist skinheads. My producers knew it would be edgy, controversial, and thought it would likely get huge ratings. Even more importantly, we all thought that what we were doing was exposing their ignorance and confronting their hatred of black people right on national television. That's what we thought, but we were dead wrong. These men came with their own agenda, and in the end, we gave a bunch of racists an hour-long platform to spread their message of hate and evil. That taping changed the way I thought about TV and how it should be used. I made a conscious decision after I was done with that show to never again use this platform to put that kind of energy out into the world. My guests today call themselves skinheads. They say their heads are shaved for battle. Mike Barrett says he wants a white nation and will use violence to get it if that is what it takes. And my next guest is vice president of the Aryan Youth Movement. He says that white people built this nation and have now lost it. So he is recruiting white youth to help win it back. Meet Dave Mazzella. Do you believe that only white people created this country? Everything that's created around here is created by white people. You know, all the music writers and, you know, builders, great architects who are white, you know. Blacks, they still live in the jungles of Africa, you know, they come over here. White people teach these people, you know, they, they didn't create anything over here. They just followed us, you know, we taught them. Mike, why is violence necessary? Violence, violence is necessary when it's brought to us. And we've had people come at us with bats, knives, and stuff like that. Why? Because we were white. I just heard what you said. You just said, I don't sit with monkeys. You think because she's black, because I'm black, we're, we're, we're monkeys? Is that? That's a proven fact. That's a proven fact. 
<laughs> it's a proven fact that I'm a monkey? I could be, but, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, Go ahead, go first ahead. First thing I want to get off my mind is... No, I want to talk about this monkey you know, stuff. This skin is... Uh, yeah, right, 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 right. You know, oh, yeah, right, right, right. The ADL, okay? No, 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 she I want to talk about the monkey business. I want to talk about... Support black... Sit down. Sit down. I'll take a break. I'll be right back. Uh, well, I just want to tell you what happened during the commercial break. We asked, uh, we asked our friend Mr. Monkey Common over here to leave, and uh, some other people followed him. I, I have to agree with this woman down here who said, I have never seen such or felt such evilness and such hatred in all of my life. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. So Dave Mazzella and Mike Barrett were two of the white supremacists who were on that show, and they wanted to be here today. And I said, okay to that, because I hear you've changed. Yeah, first and foremost, I just, I'd like to express, you know, absolutely from the bottom of my heart, I apologize for how we were on your show, because we were rude, we were arrogant, we were disruptive mm -hmm. and hateful. And I just, I apologize first and foremost to you, just for the evil that we Apology accepted. And Mike, where were you in your life at that time? What do you think when you see yourself on that tape? It really brings tears to my eyes. Really? Yes. <laughs> really? Yes. So that kid was lost. Mm. Yeah. You were lost. Yeah. yeah. What turned you around? You guys all walked out. Had that, had that been planned? Well, we had talked if there was any disruption or something we would leave together. Mm -hmm. So that was your intention, to come on and promote your Oh, hatred. most definitely. We, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. that's what I thought when you guys up. I thought, well, you know, I think I'm doing one thing. I'm, think I'm, I'm thinking that I'm exposing it, yeah. but they're recruiting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. that that was a recruitment mechanism. We actually used that show as a recruitment tool. Oh, yeah, definitely. Did you? Most definitely. Good or bad, uh, publicity for us was always, mm -hmm. was always positive for us. Well, one year after that show, Mike went to prison for defacing a synagogue. Dave went to jail for assault. And Mike says, you had an epiphany in prison? What happened? I did. Um, well, I went through San Quentin first as my reception center. They sent me down to Vacaville, down to a ranch out there, so I got to work outside. Mm -hmm. And the crew they put me on was entirely black, mm -hmm. including the black sergeants. So here I am, the only white guy. On an all-black crew. On an all-black crew. And you're a white supremacist. And white supremacist. And we're, <laughs> and, and we're working with power tools. Yeah. I but, bet you um, weren't waving that white supremacist flag. <laughs> <laughs> no. But uh, what, the epiphany was, 
these guys accepted me for who I was. Mm -hmm. They already knew about my past because it was tattooed all over my back and my neck. I had swastikas all over me and stuff like that. Wow. But they treated me like a human being. Mm. And it just taught me that everybody is a human being. Mm -hmm. And we can't just hate people. Mm. So it was your being accepted by an all-black Crew mm -hmm. in prison that yeah. started to change it. Was it immediate or is it gradual? It's just stripping away because you have to understand I had so many layers mm -hmm. of hardness on my heart that mm -hmm. I believe that the Lord was stripping away mm -hmm. that hardness. Mm -hmm. What made you change, Dave? Well, about six months after the show, um, my job was I was a recruiter and mm -hmm. I traveled around recruiting. And, I, and you used the tape for recruitment That purposes. was one thing. It kind of yeah. let me in, in the doors. And uh, I ended up recruiting a group up in Portland, Oregon that ended up murdering an Ethiopian student. Wow. At that point, that woke me up. I realized that there's consequences to ideas. You know, thoughts and things that we say do truly have consequences. And here I was motivating people to do this. It got my attention. Do you feel better as a human being now? Do you feel differently? Almost oh, definitely. I feel differently. I'm, I'm so embarrassed when I, you know, obviously watch things like that. It's mm -hmm. embarrassing being here today because of my past. I, mm -hmm. I don't like it. And it's humiliating because mm -hmm. I look where I was then and where I'm at now. But do you feel that your ability to change is evidence that it can happen? Oh, most definitely. We, yeah, yeah. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Oprah. Again, I'm so sorry. I really mean that. Thank you for having us well, on. Well, it helped me, too. That's yeah. Yeah, yeah, just, just foolishness. That was life-changing for me. Back in 1991, we had a retired police sergeant on who told us if you are being attacked, never, ever let them take you to a second location. That show, we know, saved so many lives. Rule number one, and frankly, it's probably, in my opinion, the most important. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. Never. In 1999, I was attacked by a career criminal who tried to kidnap me. At that moment, a show that I had seen in Oprah about self-defense and rape prevention flashed through my mind. And I remember the, the phrase, don't ever let them take you to a second location. Because the crime scene number two is going to be isolated. You won't choose it. You'll be the focus of the crime. And I fought him, and I survived. Thank you, Oprah, for helping save my life. Wow. Wow. Well, it's been 20 years. And uh, Sanford Strong says he still gets calls from people across the country thanking him for that advice. Another profound moment here on this stage happened when we met Joanne Compton. Joanne had a transformation right before our eyes. It was 1998, and she was stuck, literally, in her grief. Dr. Phil was here, and I believe, literally, saved her life. We had a guest, Joanne Compton, that was in such pain over the death of her daughter. What is it you want to say about your daughter? That Lorianne was a person, that she deserved to live, that she didn't deserve to be thrown away like a bag of trash. <laughs> they threw her away in the river like a bag of trash. And she didn't deserve that. What did it do to you when they took your little girl away from you? It ended my life. I no longer wanted to do anything. I don't want to feel joy or happiness. I don't want to <clears> smile. <throat> they destroyed me. 
I know this is a terrible thing to say, and I have tried in my heart, I really have to forgive. But I hope they're in the same hell I am. I hope they're suffering just like I am. I hope every day for them is just as bad as it's been for me. If she could talk to you right now, do you think she would say, Mother, I want you to hurt every day for the rest of your life to prove that you loved me? Oh, no. Do you she, think that's what she would say she to you? She would be very angry at me over this. So it wouldn't be a betrayal. Maybe the betrayal is focusing on the day of her death rather than celebrating the event of her life. Mm -hmm. She lived for 18 vibrant and wonderful years, and you focus on the day that she died. I never thought of it that way. I really never thought of it that way. We were just about done, and she began to cry, and we asked her, tell me what's going on with you right now. I thought after I'd made this goal that now I could go home. I'm sorry. I was going to go home and take my life. And in that moment, in looking in her eye, you knew there was no melodrama. This woman was deadly, deadly serious. And she had been impacted by the show to choose a different course, to have a reason to live. And that changed me in that moment. I, you know, I left there thinking, you know what? You need to really, really pay attention every minute you're here because you're talking about people's lives here, and sometimes it's life or death. Joanne's here today! I would have to say, in 25 years, well, we're talking about most powerful lessons and memorable moments. That still gets me every time. That was a life-changing moment for me, as well as for Phil, because what you said, I never thought of it that way. I never thought of it that way. I realized, I mean, that's exactly what we're trying to do with this show, and had been trying to do all these years, is to present something in a way that people never thought of it that way. And you actually said those words. That's why it was so momentous for me. It was an honest feeling I had. I mean, it was really... That's really what happened. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really... Had never... I just yeah. saw the light come on in your eyes. I, I hadn't realized what I had been doing. Mm -hmm. I really hadn't. You had stopped living. I remember you talking about leaving the room the same and going in and visiting her things like mm -hmm. a shrine. Yeah. And I guess I just completely stopped. The mm -hmm. moment I learned she was dead, I just stopped everything. So tell me what happened after that. Because the thing that I most remember is that your daughter was sitting in the audience. And I remember feeling for her because in those years where you were stuck in your grief, you had completely ignored your, your other daughter. Mm -hmm. So here was somebody saying, here, see me, see me, see me. I'm still here. I'm still alive. And you couldn't. Yeah. Were you able to, after that, move, oh, move yes. forward? Oh, yes, definitely. You start realizing what you really can do. So you never w walk back because many times I often wonder if I can be in a car ride home with people, what would be what would be happening, and whether or not the moment, that aha moment, I never thought of it that way before, if that continued to manifest in your life. Oh, it has. Many, many times. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I don't still grieve for Lorraine. Mm, She's going to always be a part of me, and I'm going to always grieve for her loss. But I focus differently on that than I did before. Phil mentioned that she'd been alive for 18 years, but... She continues to stay alive every time I do something positive. Mm -hmm. 
I, I really focus more on Cindy and our, well, I have a grandbaby now. I know Kenzie I saw Ray. McKenzie in the green room. And I, Lord, I mean, how do I express that? You, I can't. Before you express it, let me just run this little bit of tape of Joanne's daughter, Cindy, on that original show. This was also interesting. Cindy lost her sister, Lori, but she says she also lost her mother, too. What do you want to say? Well, I just want to tell her that um, I need you. I need you there as a parent, a friend. When we lost Lori, you lost a daughter. I lost a sister. And it was really hard to find someone to um, understand the pain I was feeling because um, obviously you couldn't be there at that time for me. So, Cindy, did you see a change in your mother after that time? Most definitely. Most definitely. She went from existing to living. Living. Yes, wow. it, it was an amazing transformation. Um, we're more involved with each other's lives, and uh, we talk at least every other day. Yeah. Do you think, had you gone home and taken your life that day, you would have missed out on? I'd have missed everything. Have I missed mean, everything. probably. The truth is, maybe me taking my life would have changed Cindy's outcome. Absolutely. And then would, would have, have changed the outcome of our grandbaby. You know, I'd have never got to meet her husband, John, and have him a part of our lives. You know, and. You just don't know what's waiting for you around the corner. Yeah. And if you if you resolve your problem by ending your life, then you'll never know the fantastic thing that's waiting yeah. for you. Well, Diane was watching Joanne's story that day. This is what I have loved, do love, and will always love about this show, is that you never know who is watching and what state of mind you are in and how you just happen to turn on the TV in any given moment and you hear exactly what you need. So what were you thinking as you watched? Joanne, oh, I saw it myself in you. I saw myself sitting there. It was my mom that died, which is nothing compared to a daughter. But I saw your pain and your darkness, and I thought about how brave you were to come in that raw spot and be willing to have a light shine on it. My kids were very young, and I could easily pass them off and stay in my room and stay sad. But I saw the look in your daughter's eyes and I thought, I want to be present. And you're giving Oprah and Dr. Phil that credit. I give you that credit. Thank you for your bravery. Thank you. Thank That's you. amazing. I love it. I love when that happens. Pass it on. The credit really belongs to you. Uh, you saved my life. Yes, thank you. You thank really you. did. Thank you. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. When someone has an aha moment or when I feel those little hairs on the back of my neck stand up or arm, 
it's like a jolt of aliveness. Those are the moments that I live for. And it's my sign that I've learned something new. And I can feel it happening to many of you, too, even through the tube. Those magical moments that connect us all. So here's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. It happened 11 years ago while talking to Nobel Prize winning author Toni Morrison. I said it's interesting to see when a kid walks in the room, your child or anybody else's child, does your face light up? When my children used to walk in the room when they were little, I looked at them to see if they had buckled their trousers, if their hair was combed, or if their socks were up. And so you think your affection and your deep love is on display because you're caring for them. It's not. When they see you, they see the critical face. What's wrong now? But then if you let your face speak what's in your heart, mm -hmm. because when they walked in the room, I was glad to see them. Mm -hmm. It's just as small as that, you see. That is what I think is so profound, because that is how you learn That's what right. your value is. That's right. Not by what the person is saying to you, but what you feel. Yeah. One of the most profound lessons I think we've ever learned on The Oprah Show, welcome, Toni Morrison. <laughs> You know, I, 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 I know you probably never expected that comment that was just a sort of offhanded comment. It was offhanded, yeah. but it was a lesson I had to learn, you know, mm -hmm. from my own children. Does your face light up? Mm -hmm. Do they see in your eyes that you really are glad they're there? Mm -hmm. And I had had this incident. My older son drew a picture, mm -hmm. and I was busy doing something really important. Mm -hmm. And he came in and he showed me the picture and I looked at it and I said, oh, that's nice. And he tore it up right in front of my face wow. and threw it on the floor. And then I said, why'd you do that? And he said, because I saw that little smile on your face. And I knew exactly what he meant. That little dismissive, uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's Very nice. nice. Uh-huh, yeah, sure. Uh -huh. Children are figuring out what do you mean? Mm -hmm. What do you feel? They have to look at your face. Mm -hmm. They have to listen to the words. They have to do the body language, the sounds. That's what they do. They're trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. You know, and I took that a step further. I have found that it actually applies to everybody when somebody enters the yeah, room. True. Yeah, true. Everybody is looking to see, do you see me? Mm -hmm. Do you mm -hmm. see me? Mm -hmm. Janice was watching 11 years ago when Toni Morrison was on the show. Janice? Where's Janice? Right here. Hi, Janice. Hi. You say that you've never been the same since? I have not. That touched my heart. My daughter, I was an angry mother. I wasn't aware that I was an angry mother, oh. but it came across because I was critical when she came into the room. But it touched my heart so much. And my daughter, the last two years, my daughter ended up dying of cancer. And the last two years, every time she would come home, whether it was chemo from a party or grocery store, I would always say, Nisi's home, Nisi's home. And she would get so excited. And if she went to the garage and came back, I would still do the same excitement. And I was so excited. That made a difference in my life. And now oh. when children or people in my space, it's authentic that my eyes light up because my heart lights up. That's a wonderful story. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> and I know your son Ford is here and you're he was the one. He was the one. He says he doesn't remember it, but now he does. Well, now I do, yes. Now he's old enough. And your son, your other son, Slade, passed away this past year. December, yes. yes. I, I had read where you'd said your heart aches forever. You know. Yes. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I expect to be sad the rest of my life. Mm. And I'm not unhappy about that. It seems if I were looking, looking for closure and some way to move on, that's kind of an insult. It's an insult to him. I know how to do my work. I do my work. I do a lot of work. But I don't expect that memory mm -hmm. to go anywhere. I don't even want it to. Mm. But uh, if he can get sick and die, mm -hmm. I can remember it. You can remember it. You just turned 80 this year? Yes, 80. <laughs> We're talking this show about lessons. I mean, can you even, is there a, a best lesson or a favorite lesson when you're 80? Yeah, it's one that I can articulate now, and I think I sort of knew it all along. I know that what is alive for me, and I have a place that is mine. That's my work when I write. Mm -hmm. That's mine. Mm -hmm. It is free. Uh, nobody tells me what to do, mm -hmm. and I wouldn't listen if they did. Mm -hmm. It's all mine. It's my world. I have invented it. These are my people. This is my language. Mm. And now I have come to believe that everybody needs one of those places. It could be gardening. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a place where it's you mm -hmm. and what you do. It can be creative, it can be computer, it can be anything. But it's your it's sacred, your it's, yeah. sacred place, and you own it. Mm -hmm. And that's what you do when you write. That's you what I in, do when I you write. You go into that space exactly. for yourself. Exactly. Are you writing now? Of course I am. Of course you are. Well, thank you. It is such an honor. Thank you for the lessons. Thank you for the books. <laughs> thank you for yourself. Thanks. So. Thank you. Many times we've heard painful stories from families who have lost children to tragedy. They are never easy to hear. But so many viewers over the years have told us how their lives have been affected by these little angels, as I call them. One angel passed away August 23rd, 2007. That's the day Brenda Slaby accidentally left her two-year-old daughter Cecilia in the car on a hot summer day. A mother halfway around the world was watching that day. I grabbed Cecilia out of the car, and I remember feeling the car seat come with her, so I think I yanked her so hard to get her out. I, I took her, and I knew she was gone. As soon as I picked her up, I knew. How do you forget that your child is in the car? Watching Brenda on the show that day and how she tragically lost her child by leaving her in the car, being so busy running around after everyone else. I just felt complete compassion for her because it just was a wake-up call for me because I was going down that path. I was trying to live the life I had before Grace, completely putting her last and making her fit in with my life rather than me fitting in with hers. Watching that show that day changed everything. When I first heard this story, I said, oh, her daughter Cecilia gets to be an angel for everybody who hears this story. Because when you hear this story and recognize that this little baby's life was sacrificed so that we can get the message to slow down. Yes, correct. Slow down, you're doing too much. 
every day I was thinking about her and just being more present in life and slowing it down. This particular day, I heard Grace screaming in her cot as I'd put her down for a sleep. And instead of ignoring it like I usually would and close the door, because of watching the show, I decided to go in. And there I saw her with the curtain cord and she'd managed to tangle it around her neck and her body. Thank God I went in. She could have strangled herself. It could have choked her. Watching Brenda's story saved her life, absolutely. Mm. There are no accidents. Brenda Slaby is here today, and Tracy flew all the way from Australia, we know how far that is, uh, to be here to meet you. So come on up here, Tracy. You wanted to say something? Yeah. I just want to give her a big hug. You wanted to give her a big hug? I want to give her a yeah. That's nice. I don't know what it feels like for you, but I did know when we talked the first time that somebody hearing that story would be powerfully affected and would be able to make some changes in their life. I didn't know if it was like not, you know, leaving your child in the car, thinking about that or, or what. Did you understand that too? Is that why you wanted to share the story? Yeah. I just have to do something. I want people to remember my face. I want people to remember my story mm -hmm. in order to help save some other children. Mm -hmm. None of us realize that that can happen to us. Mm -hmm. I didn't Nobody think it would, yeah. You know, I felt like I was, I tried to be the perfect mother. I remembered everything. I did everything. I kept up with everything. Never in a million years would have ever thought something like that could have happened to me. Have you slowed down? It's been four years. It's been four years. Since your baby. Um, I've had a lot of time to think. Mm -hmm. I went back to school. New career, which allows me to slow down. Mm -hmm. I spend time with my daughter. The most important thing in my life is my family mm -hmm. and spending time with Allison. Mm -hmm. The one thing I also learned, the new lesson I learned over the last four years is that parents who unknowingly leave their children in cars, it's really a function of our brain. And that when we get into a routine, it's very difficult for our brain to change that mm -hmm. when our routines change. And we assume because this child is worth everything, more than life to us, there's no way in the world we could forget our child. And in order to avoid a tragedy like this, there are some things we can do. Talk to your daycare provider and make sure that they always know if you don't arrive at a certain time, they're gonna call. And something as simple as leaving your briefcase or your purse in that back seat. Put your purse in the back seat. Put your purse in the back seat. Because we can all slow down and we have to strive to slow down. But we all get stressed. We all have those moments. And we have to think before the tragedy happens of what we can do to try what to prevent it. So. Do you feel that your baby is, a, is, a, is sort of an angel spirit, for lack of a better description? I have tried so hard to find a reason for all mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I think she was here for a purpose, mm -hmm. to put me in a position where maybe I could do things for other people mm -hmm. and to be a symbol for other people. And she is definitely my mm -hmm. guardian angel on my shoulder. She's, she's there with me every day. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. wonderful. Thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. One of my all-time favorite lessons comes from Dr. Maya Angelou. You've heard me mention it 43 times on the show over the years. <laughs> and here's number 44. When you know better, you do better. Here we be in Maya Angelou's bedroom, the big brass bed. <laughs> yeah. Talking about life lessons, one of the most important lessons I ever learned from you is when people show you who they are, believe them. Yes, absolutely. A person says to you, I'm selfish, or 
I mean, or I am unkind. Or I'm crazy. Or I'm cra Believe them, they know themselves much better than you do. Now, I think perhaps the greatest lesson you've ever given me was the time I called you in the bathroom crying over something. Now I can't even remember what it was, but I was crying. Yo, oh, right. <laughs> I'm telling you, I got a problem. It's a real problem, and you're telling me to stop and say thank you. But that was life-changing because I now get that the ability to say thank you in the crisis means your faith is so strong. Your Nothing faith, can come against you. Nothing can come against Not you. princes, not paupers, not principality. Nothing, nothing. There have been some fundamental moments on our show that changed the course of what I believe you can do with television. When relationship expert Dr. Harville Hendricks came on, it was in the early 90s, I had a huge aha moment for myself. It was big, 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 big. Guiding us through this hour is a man who has done really some incredible groundbreaking work with couples by helping to teach us to examine the patterns that we set up in our childhood. Early childhood experience where there's a wound has to be repaired and it always has to be repaired in a relationship in adulthood with somebody similar to your parents. Now, doesn't, can't you get over that though? Because see, I believe that, that all of my relationships in my 20s and early 30s yeah. were, were I continued the abusive pattern that I'd set up in my yes. childhood. Stedman is not an abusive person, so I think I've gotten over that. Yeah, and that's the clue when you're saying that in the 20s and 30s you began to work on some things in yeah. yourself. That, that means, yes, you can get over it, but only if you work on it. And yeah, you, because you interestingly enough, Harville, when I first started dating Stedman, he was yeah. so kind to me, I thought something was wrong with yeah, him. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was his problem. He likes me, and he's so kind. Stephen and I would not still be together had I not had Harville Hendricks on the show. I stopped trying to get him to be anything other than who he was because I realized we both were bringing things from our childhood into the relationship to be healed. And over the years, that's been really, really key to all relationship building. Another lesson comes from Rue Dean Howard. Oh, yes, I love this. She was battling severe anorexia. And when actress Tracy Gold said to her, you need to nourish your brain, I'll never forget Rudine looking up and saying these words, but how? What you can do is you can make the little steps to fill your mind so that you can fight back. Well, how do you, do it? you just start to nourish your brain so that your brain can start to feel life again. And the life is so wonderful. We are in control of our lives and our destiny. Rudine, when you hear Tracy say that and you see somebody who's come out of it, does that give you a little bit of light? You've I can't do it. Rudine lost her battle with anorexia in 1996. To this day, that is one of the most powerful things I had ever heard. You know how everything affects everybody differently? When I heard her say, but how? How do you do it? That was it for me. I realized that we can't just tell people what to do, but we have to offer the how. Because many times when you're saying, and, and as, as Tracy was saying, you just need to feed your brain, feed your brain. But yeah. she said, I don't know how to do it. That moment with Rudine forever changed the way I approached every show. I want to introduce you to George Dawson. He is 100 years old, just two years ago. Carl Henry learned that Mr. Dawson had never learned to read. So he offered to teach him 
how. It's 8 a.m. on a school day, and George Dawson is ready to go. He's been up for three hours already, waiting for Carl Henry, the teacher who takes him to class every day. Ah, good morning, good morning. Two years ago, at the age of 98, George took a remarkable step. He'd never been to school, never learned to read or write. But he told a local education recruiter he was determined to change. Let's look at the words right here, stationary and stationary. When George first came to class, he didn't even know the alphabet. The grandson of a former slave, he'd started working full time when he was just eight years old. Mary, baby. Every day, a new milestone. George, who once lost a promotion when he signed his name with an X, now writes his own name. And this year, when his classmates threw him a surprise 100th birthday party, George could read his own cards for the very first time. In a way, Mr. Henry is my angel. Watching Mr. Dawson learn to read has been one of the greatest experiences of my life. Mr. Dawson was determined that he was going to learn how to read. And that determination fueled one of the most outstanding quests for knowledge that I've ever seen. It has been a fantastic miracle. Yes, it did. Two years after that show, George Dawson became a best-selling author, <laughs> co-writing his inspiring life story. It's called Life is So Good. Mr. Dawson passed away in 2001 at the age of 103. And I'm proud to show you how his life and legacy lives on. Hey, Grace, multiply by two, multiply both sides by two. George Dawson may be gone, but his legacy lives on in the halls and classrooms of George Dawson Middle School. More than 650 seventh and eighth graders strive for excellence here every day. We at George Dawson Middle School represent opportunity, where George himself didn't have those opportunities as a young African-American male. George Dawson's life story is the stuff of legend in this school. He was the grandson of a slave, and he worked really hard for his money. Throughout his entire life, white people were just looking down on him, treating him unfairly, and he just took it all with pride. George's motto, it's never too late to change, is a life lesson these students wholeheartedly embrace. That lesson shows that education and learning, it should never stop. If I get a little down on my schoolwork and I'm not doing too well, that reminds me that I can do anything. George has inspired me in my dreams. With the education, you'll be a step ahead and be successful. Any school that you find anywhere has some sort of great namesake that did great stuff. But to learn after watching that segment on Oprah, oh wow. What an incredible impact was this man's in education. Not just Texas, not just the U.S. I mean, that is a message of literacy for the world. I love that. Message of literacy for the world. George Dawson went on to receive two honorary doctorate degrees before he passed away. Isn't that something? A lesson for us all that it's never too late, because life is so good. I'd like to wrap up with one final lesson that has carried me throughout this show. It's one I learned back in 1993 while talking to mothers in prison for killing their children. You would think that, that would, there would be nothing you could learn from that. But after that interview, one of the women said to me, I can't believe that you don't hate us. And I said, no, I don't hate you because I know that all pain is the same and this is how you dealt with yours. So I had an aha moment in that instant. All pain is the same. Everybody is acting at the level that they know.
And when you know better, you do better. Yes. Goodbye, everybody. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org.